chapter number 9, and uh, we are going to, again, into this passage one more time on the kingdom of God, if you will. Uh, This passage here in Mark 9, starting in verse 43, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off, it is better for thee to enter into life, maimed, than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And this passage is a tremendous passage because it covers two major doctrines in Scripture. The first one is that issue of eternal judgment, hell, fire, uh, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And uh, someone asked me about Sunday mornings we've been studying eternal judgment, and that really uh, has come out of this passage. And looking at it, let's look at it a little deeper. And we've done that. And again, we've, we've looked at it in, in great detail. The Lord talks about hell more than anyone else in Scripture. And that is because of who he is. He's the second member of the Godhead. And uh, he, in the Lord's earthly ministry, he's not afraid to confront sin. And that's literally what he's doing, is he's confronting sin. Uh, let's see. Let's get the microphone up. Okay. There we go. Hopefully that works. Um, the so the Lord is uh, again. He's not afraid to confront sin, just as he's not afraid to confront the the um, religious uh, rulers, the air, and so forth. Again, I gotta make sure this is up there we can get it up there closer. Uh, something happened with the soundboard. Well, I didn't touch anything, so no, it's not. It's just not too. It's not loud enough on the internet, but we'll we'll just gonna keep going. So um, again. He's not afraid to confront error, the hypocrisy. He calls them you hypocrites, the religious uh, leaders. He's not afraid to deal with them. So the issue of hell, unfortunately, it gets to be a, a, an issue in, in today about things, and, and people just get too, and, and, oh, a loving God wouldn't do that. Well, yeah, a loving God does because what makes up God in his integrity, or we call it holiness, we call it integrity, is the issue of his righteousness, and it is the issue of his justice. His righteousness has that righteous standard, and his justice then comes in and executes justice against those that offend the standard. So if you and I offend the standard, and we do because we are sinners, then justice is going to come in and there's going to be a judgment. But then at the same time, if we by faith trust in Calvary and the shed blood, 
And now we are in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he was made to be sin for those for, uh, who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous. So we have now his righteousness. So the justice looks at his righteousness, we're, and looks at us in him, and then gives us eternal life. So when you look at this issue, um, I'm just making sure there, eternal life, it starts now. It starts the moment you trust Christ, and that's where it starts. So he talks here about where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, and obviously that, res- that reference to Isaiah 66 and the millennial and kingdom time, and we looked at that. Then the other point is this issue about, in verse 47, enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 43, enter into life. Verse 45, enter in, halt into life. And then kingdom of God. So life, life, and the kingdom of God. And, and those that, that issue about the kingdom of God, and we spent two weeks looking at it. I just want to catch up a few things this evening. And those two aspects about the kingdom. It's not just the physical things. Uh, Look over with me at Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So it's not just the physical things, but it is also then the spiritual issue, the life issue. And, and the disciples, the little flock, John the Baptist, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of these guys understood that the, that the, the nature of the kingdom of God in this time, they understood what Jesus was teaching them. They were able to look at it, and they understood that there was a literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic nature to the kingdom. The problem is, and what they were missing, is the spiritual aspect of it. The problem is not that Israel didn't think that they were going to get a literal, physical, visible, earthly kingdom. The problem was was that they're not looking at the spiritual side of that physical kingdom. So, And, and that's really what the Lord is after here. That's why down, uh, go back there to Mark 9, sorry. That's why down in the passage, he's going to say there in verse 50, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. And that issue of peace one with another, they're missing that, that they got the physical side, but that physical side is coming as a result of the spiritual Rebirth, the being born again, if you will. And that's why in John 3 with Nicodemus, you have that whole passage there about being born again. Born of the flesh, but also now born of the spirit. So when you look at this issue here about the kingdom of God, and again, we've seen this and we've been looking at it. And what happens is, is today, preachers, theologians, teachers today, who do not rightly divide the word, will read the verses, and we've looked at about the the kingdom is within you, and they will concentrate in on the physical 
visible earth okay, it's a physical kingdom but seeing now it's in you so now that's got to be talking about the church the body of Christ so the kingdom of God now isn't a literal physical visible earthly kingdom it's rather resides in the rule of reign of God in the hearts of men and they spiritualize it and really when you get into this and you're looking at this the 12 the little flock they understood the nature. Now, they're missing that spiritual component because they are still the sons of Adam, ultimately. And yet, here they are. They're not getting that spiritual side. Now, the other side of it is when you do understand that the kingdom is literal, physical, visible, and earthly, and Davidic, that we, too, sometimes... Those of us who do understand the physical issues of the kingdom, we then do also miss the spiritual aspect of the kingdom as well. And we sometimes focus a lot in on those works of righteousness rather than seeing both components. So the nation that God is going to use to restore his headship on planet Earth, they are the seed of David but they are also the seed of Adam. So that sin nature has to be dealt with as well. And again, that's why when John the Baptist comes and he says, repent for the kingdom is at hand, they understood the issue very well. They were just missing the spiritual component. Matthew 1.21, Gabriel says to Joseph, you're going to call him Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. And the first issue of him, of the Messiah coming, was that he was going to deliver them from the sin issue. So, and, and we've seen that. Look over just in a way of just kind of in our minds. Look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Again, the I think about these guys, and they were... The Bible dumbbells are the people of today who don't rightly divide the word, who make this stuff. They, they take it from Israel and give it to the body, and they just muddy the waters, and they literally are Bible dumbbells. If, and again, us that do understand right division, we have to also embrace both sides, even though we understand that, that it isn't us. But I don't get it. So anyway, Acts 3.19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And when's that going to happen? When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. There's, there's an issue in his second coming where that spiritual component for Israel is to be taken care of. Verse 25. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. What was promised to Abraham? A literal, physical, visible, earthly kingdom. Verse 26, unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to 
bless you, how? In turning away every one of you from his iniquity. They had to deal with the sin issue first. Then the physical issue comes into play. Okay? So this evening, I just want, I want to clean some things up. We're not going to be here next week. Then when we get back, we'll start chapter 10, and we'll get rocking and rolling again. Okay? It is critical to understand that we don't miss the dual, the two aspects, the spiritual, which then results in the physical being fulfilled. And those two different things here are very critical. Now, notice something in verse 21, Acts 3.21. When the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets, since when? Since the world began. The kingdom begins not in Genesis 12 with Abraham. It begins in Genesis 1 with Adam. Because it's Adam. Come back to Genesis 1. And we have to see that. Adam. So really, the kingdom, the kingdom of God really is going to end up being before the foundation of the world because of our part in that big broad term of the kingdom of God. And again, if you don't rightly divide your word, you're going to break your spiritual neck over that title, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Because that title, specifically in the context of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and early Acts, belongs to Israel and the literal, physical, visible, earthly, and the spiritual rebirth, the being born again, and so forth. But when you back up in Scripture, you begin to see that it's really a big, broad term. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God speaks, and what he does here is he repurposes the creation that was there that had been destroyed because of the fall of Satan. He's, re he's redoing. Now, drop down to verse 27. So God created man, day six, in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over. He creates man, and then he mandates to man to be the king, literally the king, the prophet, the priest, and the king, in the earth, to bring the earth back under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he mandates to man, you're going to go out there, you're going to replenish it, you're going to fill it up with mankind, with humanity, you're going to subdue it, and you're going to have dominion over it. And that subdue and dominion is all governmental terminology, kingdom terminology. You study the doctrine of Eden, the garden eastward in Eden, the country of Eden, and he had a garden eastward in that country, but when you study that out in scripture, that's a place of respite, but it's a place where the king would sit. If you pay, we've been watching The Crown, and this is like the third time, for, second time for me through it, but Linda wanted to see it, so I was watching it with her, and we got to, I got to watching some of the other documentaries, 
and they're always talking about let's go walk in the garden. And trust me, that's royalty. That's let's get out here where it's peace and quiet away from the chaos of the world. And that's literally what it is. Your home. Your home is your castle. No, your home is your garden. It's where you, the local church, the local assembly is the garden. It's where the peace is supposed to be. It's where the calm is. Why? Because you're not dealing with the riffraff out there. You're dealing with each other and who you are in Christ. So when you think about this, God mandates to man, you go out there and bring earth back under my headship, and by the way, you're going to do it through the seed of the woman, and through the seed of the woman, chapter 3 there, you're going to have the Redeemer's going to come, and when it, that happens, then every then I'm going to then God says I'm going to come in the seed of the woman, and I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And the seed of the woman becomes the seed of Abraham, becomes the seed of David. There's the Lord. Okay, so that seed issue is asserted. It's boom. There it is. So come back to Matthew 25. So the kingdom, really, the kingdom mentality, the kingdom language, the kingdom thinking starts with Adam. Now, Abraham comes in and he's got a specific issue with Adam, or I'm sorry, with Abraham. He's pulling out that people out of the Gentiles and so forth, and he's going and doing there. But really, he's dealing with a kingdom from day one. That's why in Genesis 1-1 that he created created the heaven and the earth. That's why Colossians 1.16 is so critical. What did he create there in 1.1? The governmental structure to have order and maintenance in, in creation. Now, all of that's going to come to a climactic conclusion in the moment in the millennial kingdom. So come to Matthew 25. Now, again, millennial kingdom dispensation in scripture Schofield's got seven Barkham's got like 80 breaks it all out, Bullinger's got like 10,000, it's unreal but, and that's okay but there's really just five major ones, okay but in each dispensation there is a transition into it alright the, the first dispensation is from Adam to Moses but there's a transition into the dispensation of the law because what happens under Moses? They got to go out and wander around the wilderness for about 40 years until the law is given. There's a transition. So in the millennial kingdom, that is a transition into that kingdom that's going to go on forever. A thousand years, Revelation says. By the way, it's interesting that only Revelation gives us that thousand year number. None of the other prophets talk about it. Why? Because there's a transition. So, and by the way, the transition from the law into grace is Acts 9 to 28 in Paul's, er, Paul's early ministry. Once the diminishing is done, the, boom, now we're, and now we're into it. Then when the dispensation of grace ends, it goes right back. There is no transition between boom and boom. It's bam. That's why when you close the chart, Acts 1 to 7, you have the fall of Israel, and then Hebrews... There's three transitional books in the New Testament. Matthew, 
which takes us out of the law and the prophets into the kingdom as at hand. Acts, that takes you out of the kingdom at hand program to the grace, the dispensation of grace. Then you've got Hebrews, which takes you not from Paul to back to Israel, but it takes you from Old Covenant, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and early Acts, to New Covenant. And that transition there. So those are critical to catch. Now all that's just commercial so you can find your answers in your drawing. Matthew 25, 31. This is future. This hasn't happened yet. This will take place, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So his second coming has happened. It's done. We have the resurrection of the Old Testament saints into the kingdom. You have the implementation of the new covenant on the little flock, the, belief, the true Israel of God. And you also now have Christ sitting on the throne of his glory, judging the Gentile nations. That's verse 2. And before him be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd uh, divideth his sheep from the goats. And he begins to work out now with the Gentiles. Now, the who's with him here? The holy angels. Why? Because he just had this big campaign, military campaign, but also is the nation of Israel, the true Israel. Come back to chapter 19. The apostles are there. They've all been resurrected in Matthew 19. Peter asks there, verse 27, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. And what shall we have thereof? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, now watch, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. What does Matthew 25 say he's doing? He's sitting in the throne of his glory. Same language. Ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So in Matthew 25, sets the scene. You've got the Lord on the throne of his glory. You've got the angels out there. And you also have the twelve apostles in their spot. You have David as king. And then you have the twelve tribes ready to go and do business amongst the nations out there and rule over them. So he divides them up. And he he's, he's so the kingdom, he's in the kingdom reign here. He's all set up. Verse 30, uh, Matthew 25 now, verse uh, verse 34 then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father talking to the sheep inherit the kingdom now watch prepared for you from the foundation of the world that's Adam that's not Abraham so the kingdom has been prepared boom but who gets it well the people the Gentiles who have blessed Israel, when you've done it unto the least of these brethren, you did it unto me. Why? Because the Abrahamic covenant said, I will bless them that bless you. Verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So now, why are they cursed? Well, because they didn't do. They didn't do it unto the least of the brethren. They didn't do it unto him. Why? Because the Abrahamic covenant says, I will curse them that curse thee. So you've got the implementation here of 
the Abrahamic covenant being fulfilled. When Christ has returned, he's brought his kingdom, he's setting it up, and he sits on the throne of his glory. And he sits there for a thousand years, reigning and ruling. Okay? Now, when did it start? Since the foundation prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come over to Colossians chapter 1. So since Genesis 1, man was put on the earth to bring it back under the headship and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it starts with Adam. Now man falls. So God, no problem, no skin off his nose. He's got a plan. We'll fix it. We'll take care of it. And the, the true man, the true son of man would come and do for man what man failed to do, and he'll set it right. Now, in Colossians 1, verse 16, passage we're very familiar with in other studies. For by him were all things created. Now, that's Genesis 1.1. Okay? So we're back to... Who did the creating, by the way? By him. Well, that'll be his dear son, verse 13, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who did the creating, John 1. And what does he do? He creates that are in heaven and that are in earth. By the way, notice it's singular heaven, not heavens, like two, chapter 2, set 1 says. Why? Because we're in Genesis 1.1. In the heaven and in the earth, what did he create? Well, visible and invisible. Okay, so some things you're going to see, some things you're not going to see. Whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So what do we have? We have a governmental structure now that's in place, a visible realm. So there's the physical issue, and then an invisible realm. There is the spiritual issue. Those two issues are there, okay? By the way, you and I, the body of Christ, we start out as a spiritual entity. We end getting the physical, the new body, and so forth. Israel starts out in the physical realm, and they're working toward the spiritual issue that they get in the literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic covenant, kingdom, okay? So that's why, by the way, that's why when you hear preachers say the heart, he's ruling in the hearts of men, it's because they see the spiritual thing, they have ignored the physical, see? So they go, well, it's got to be us because we're spiritual blessings and spiritual stations and signals, so it's got to be us. So then they, what they fail to make that distinction between the ministry and the message of the Apostle Paul. So you've got the human realm the visible, and you've got the invisible, the angelic realm out there. And what do they have? They have government. So when he created the universe, he created it with a with a measured government system that was to run and operate and use creation, again, verse 16, by him and for him. So the governmental structure is designed to run, to operate, to use creation for him. It's there to honor him. That's what it's there for. It's his will. 
Now, when sin comes in and the angelic realm, what do they do? They revolt under Lucifer, man, Adam and Eve. They go into the rebellion. Everyone is doing his own thing. You know, they take the truth of God and turn it into a lie and serve the creature more than the creator. The rebellion is to usurp God's authority. So God established a reconciliation program. And that is to restore his authority back over the heaven and the earth. Psalms 115. The earth belongs to who? Man. Heavens belong to the Lord. The earth belongs. And again, man. is going. He's going to use man to go out and to restore the earth. So when the Lord shows up, they understand the earth issue. That's the point in all of this. They understand the literal, physical, visible, earthly issue. But they understand the seed of the woman. They understand the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David, and here's Messiah. Philip says it over there. Hey, we have found the Messiah. There he is, right there, the one everybody's been talking about. There he is. And that they understand that. He's the one to do for man what man couldn't do for himself. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He keeps everything held together through the word of his power. That's how he does it. So he's always there. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Notice, he is the head of the body, the who? The church, not Israel. He's the head of the body, the church, the body. Is the church the first thing that he did in earth? No. What was the first thing he did? He established a kingdom. All things, whether visible or invisible, verse 16. He now has an agency to reclaim the earth, Israel. But what is he forming today? The agency to go reclaim the heavens. Before he didn't have that. Now he's creating the new man. Think about that. The new man, the new creature, a new species of humanity. We were having a conversation about UFOs and little green alien men. Well, a UFO is an unidentified flying object. Do we have those? Yes. Do we have aliens, little green men? No, we don't. Okay? Well, I saw one the other night, but I think it was the bad pizza or the old pizza, right? Or the Mexican food. You know, you never leave a Mexican place unhappy. You always leave it happy until later. And then it's like, oh. Okay, no, so we don't. Why? Because he, God didn't create that. So when he, what is he? Ha, what's he doing now? He's creating this new species of man that's going to enable, be able to operate and to control and to work and to function and to bring the heavenly places back under his headship. Look, look, look. Uh, well, look. Just look down here. 
in verse uh, 24, chapter 124. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given me for you, to, for you, excuse me, to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery, watch now, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints. 1 Corinthians 2, we got this hidden wisdom. He kept it hid because of who? The adversary. Because if the princes of this world knew it, they wouldn't have crucified. So what do we got now? Now we've got this mystery now made known. It has been kept secret since before the foundation of the world, but now is made manifest, Romans 16, 25 and 26. But there's a program that he's made known since the beginning of the world, which is the kingdom and the program for the earth. Now... He has two agencies, two, two programs, two groups of people to go and to take care of the earth and to go and take care of the heavens. And they all, it all falls under the kingdom of God. Major title. Now watch here in chapter 1. Well, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. that he's now revealing, verse 26. Among the Gentiles, what is it? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God wants the saints today to know how wealthy we are and how wonderful we have it in Christ. So, verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things of earth or things in heaven. Just in case you forgot. How's he going to reconcile the whole system? See, the, we're doing the whole system now. That's what Paul's been talking about. He's not talking about just the heavenly realm. He says, look, guys, there's an earthly program. We see that. That's been going on for 2,000 years, let's just say. Okay? Or, well, no, because this is 2000. That's been going on for 1,500 years. Well, whatever, okay? Israel, Israel's program, Israel, earth, earth, earth. Now, with Paul's ministry, we're revealing another wing of the government. We're, we're revealing another wing of the kingdom because he's going to reconcile the whole system of the universe. The government that sits in the heaven, the government that sits on the earth is going to come back under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The earth is Israel. The heaven belongs to the body of Christ. And it falls all under that term kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom of God. Chapter 1 of Colossians verse 12. And I'll be honest with you. This is the part that we miss. Us mid-Acts dispensational guy people. Because we look at that issue about the kingdom of God and we run from it. Because who, who, who knows? And yet we shouldn't. We should study it out and we should embrace it. I'll show you that in just a second here. Look at verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness 
and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We are a part of the kingdom of his dear son, which has been flowing through the earth because he is the Messiah. He is the seed of David, but now is being expanded into the reach of uh, the heavenly government. Not through him being just the seed of David, but now him being the head of the body of Christ. Now that's the full program. Again, we tend to just focus in on that physical thing. We've got to see the whole of it. Now come over with me to, we're going to go at this backwards. Come to Ephesians chapter 3. Actually, yeah, Ephesians 3. We'll just do this backwards. Ephesians, not Galatians. The verses are in Galatians. But look at Ephesians 3. We have to understand, folks, that we are part of the branch of his kingdom that carries the title Heavenly Kingdom. Kingdom of Heaven. A heavenly kingdom. Now, again, I know the terminology, and this is really why Paul doesn't... Somebody asked me about being the, the term born again. Well, it means to be regenerated. But Paul never says we're born again because that will cause confusion with Israel. But he says, Titus 3, what are we? We are regenerated because you've never been born of God to begin with. See, If you say you're born again, does that indicate that you were born once over here of God and you were never born of God, you are born of your mom and dad? God didn't birth you. Okay, He birthed Israel. Look here at chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 14. Paul's praying, verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're part of the whole family of God. Chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 19. 315 comes from the context of 219. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. So we're no more in the category of verse 11 and 12. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Household. We're a part of the family of God in heaven and in earth. We're just the heavenly branch. You do that ancestry, and you see this branch. You know, you've got the black sheep, the lamb, blah, blah. We're the heavenly branch, <laughs> if you will. You can have fun with that, okay? By the way, if you look at verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, well, does the church have apostles and prophets? Yes, it does, in the beginning. Laid that foundation in of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Paul says, I'm the master builder. I've laid the foundation. What did the apostles and prophets do? They confirmed that, those gifts and so forth, in whom all the buildings fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Where, where would that habitation be? The 
have been moved to Springs. Come over to chapter 1 of Ephesians. Because chapter 1 is before chapter 2 and 3. And in chapter 1, he's already explained all of this out. And in chapter 2, the household of God. Chapter 3, the whole family of God. It's just built upon chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 and 11. It's, it's nothing new. It's no, oh my goodness, what's happening now? Chapters 2, verse 19, and chapter 3, verse 15 are just simply reflecting the doctrine taught in chapter 1, verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Before the foundation of the world, <coughs> Excuse me. If, he, if you look there at Ephesians 1, if you look down there in verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. What did he do? He had it. This is what we're going to do. Verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Fullness. When, it, when time comes to its created completion, what's going to happen? All of it is going to be under one roof, if you will. You're going to have earth, Israel, heaven, church, the body of Christ. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Now, where do we learn about uh, that inheritance? Well, that's over back over there in Colossians 1. And what did we do? We're in the kingdom of his dear son. What, if we what does he inherit? Heaven and earth. He inherits us in us. The, the, and if you look there at verse 18, the end of that verse, with the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Boy, how rich we are. How wealthy we are. Because we're a part of this kingdom of God. This governmental rule where the heaven and the earth are back under his authority, his headship. And when does that happen? It happens out in the future. So to us today, where are we? This is where we're at. In Mark 9, they're focused in on the earth, obviously, because the heaven stuff hadn't been revealed yet. They're looking at paying attention to the literal, physical, visible, earthly thing, and the Lord comes in and says, guys, you're missing a critical component here, and that's the spiritual side. You're missing that. And then, you, then now you got us today, and we need to keep in mind the bigger picture here. We don't just need to focus in on the differences of that physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom we need to see the, that their program has both components that need to be taken care of. And I've heard guys, guys in our circles over the years, and they'll focus in and hammer down, thinking that if they do that physical thing, that's what's justifying them, and it isn't. The spiritual component is there. Now, God obviously acknowledges the faith of, in time past, because of the forbearance issue that we learn in Romans 3, but that, that, that's generated from a spiritual belief in the word of God to them to then go do the physical. So the spiritual is needed first. 
then the physical will come by, okay? And for you and I, we need to keep, and for as we look at Israel's program, go back there to Mark 9, as we look at Israel, which is what we've been doing on Wednesday nights now for 20 years, it's all been about Israel and the study of it, as we look at that, we need to keep in mind both the physical and the spiritual aspects here. We don't need to miss the point. That's my point. Now when you think about us, what do we have? We have spiritual first, so then we need to remember how, how it all. We need to keep in mind that bigger picture, okay? So in Mark 9, we're ready now to go to Mark 10, <laughs> and we'll do that next week, okay? I just wanted to, or not next week, the following week, the next time we are together. Okay? I just wanted you to catch this issue about the kingdom. We've hammered out for two weeks that those two aspects and what's going on and how to answer you know, Luke uh, 17, Romans 14, and the things that get used and what's used against us. But not, let's not forget how it all fits together. Okay? We don't want to miss what the point is in Mark 9, which is, listen, you got the physical, but you're missing the spiritual. And that's the focus of the Lord and his whole earthly ministry. No matter what the portrait is in the gospels being painted, is that they're not to miss the spiritual. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the look into it, for the desire to study it, not just for the stories, but for the details and the doctrines and to get down in. Uh, the weeds, as they say, and dig out the good stuff. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In your name we pray. Amen.